Hello everyone, this is Trey Borden, and welcome to this episode of What We Gonna Do. Welcome to week two of What We Gonna Do. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed our initial week about elections. Uh, That shit is extremely important, so I'm glad that we started with something that everyone can agree uh, needs to be attended to. So... This week, we're going to deal with something that we have lost in you know recent weeks and months uh, since Corona has hit, and that is gathering. Um, most of us have not left the house uh, except for extremely ex- essential tasks for the last few weeks, and it's been a lot because most of the things that you know for people like me who live in Los Angeles or people you know who might be watching this who live in big cities like one of the most compelling reasons to locate there is because of the shit that is going on uh parties uh events things that kind of like allow you to meet people that you uh seek to meet uh and kind of like the incidental encounters that come along with that um and that is gone maybe to never return in the same way Uh, And so I thought that that would be a good topic to tackle next is the art of gathering. Um, How are we going to see one another again? Um, How are we going to kind of put each other's safety first and yet still kind of like have each other's company? Um, It's really uncertain and it's actually kind of scary because a lot of us have positioned ourselves as producers or people who like our whole shit is getting everyone in the room and kind of talking to people and meeting people and getting everyone on the same page. And a lot of that is only possible um, for with events. And so I, I'm really curious as to what the future of that looks like, um, especially for people who, who, who for work need to do that. And also just for like kind of most of the people I know who are good at gathering people, they do that shit for fun. They do it because they love people. They love kind of getting people to have a good time. They love healing people. They love kind of having everyone on the same page. And so I thought I would gather three of the people that I love the most who are also the best at that. Um, And so uh, this week we will be having three guests who in either with their profession, I mean, with their professions for sure, but also because they have a, a, a really big passion for gathering people. I wanted to hear their thinking. First uh, on the list is my girl, Heather White. Heather White is based in Boston. um, And she, you know, I wish she was not, but she is. And she's doing a lot of really amazing things there. She is the founder and owner of Trill Fit, which is a uh, kind of woman of color centered fitness brand and business uh, based in Roxbury. And it really is allowing people to kind of have some safety and I guess some representation when they go to work out. I mean, all of us who've ever been at anyone black watching this, who's been to a yoga class, you know that you're, you know, the only black bitch in there half the time. And that can be grading. That can be um, counterproductive to the kind of healing you're trying to experience in that space. And so she has taken it upon herself to found her own company to provide that space for people. And she's killing it. Um, And on top of that, on top, that's not even her job job. Her actual job, she works for HubSpot um, on their conference called Inbound. Now, Inbound is a 26,000-person conference that takes place in Boston as well every year. It attracts, you know, 
anyone under the sun you can think of in terms of uh, uh, notable speakers. Um, it's a place for people to network. It's a place for people to kind of gain business tools um, and see what's ho- see what's pop- see what's popping. And so on top of Trollfit, she also is now having to reckon with how does that business uh, adapt to a situation where like people can't be around one another. Um, And so here's a little bit of a snippet of what we talked about. The scariest and most harmful part of COVID is that it's truly amplifying and magnifying all of the health disparities that we already knew about and talked about, right? But the people who are suffering the most, the people who are feeling like sacrificial lambs, the people who are dying the most, it's mainly black and brown people, right? And so even though Trillfit is a corporation and a business, what I have told our team is that if if by the time we're ready to reopen and everyone in Roxbury is dead because they're all essential workers and they all got sick and they didn't have enough support or access to services to be able to not just thrive, but literally survive during this pandemic, there's no reason for us to exist, right? Like our, our people are not there. I mean, I've been to your studio, it is bomb. And I think that like <laughs> the physical space of it and kind of seeing the people around you is really key to the sense of community that you have fostered. And so I think that I wanna talk about what it means for you to kind of maintain that without the space. We were really wrestling it because the days before we closed, we were on a 50 day streak of sold out classes, right? Um, like an incredible accomplishment. And because folks were talking about COVID in the news, but not every place had been shut down yet, right? The stay-at-home orders hadn't been placed, but people still had that anxiety. I would watch people coming in the door and I would, I would see it on their faces, just the stress and the emotion and how they were feeling. And when they would be in class in the studio, it was this wild, just different energy. People needed the movement. People needed the space because folks were literally like exercising the anxiety outside of their bodies. And I mean, exercise, right. like, like, it, like exorcist, right? Like literally physically, like ripping the anxiety out of them so that they might go home and feel better. When we were translating the experience to digital, I kept thinking like people are going to need this more than ever because the news is just going to get worse and worse. And once people start dying, it's going to get worse and worse. And how can we be there for people? So what would you say are like the best opportunities? Like how will you, like whenever Trillfit's allowed to operate normally, how will you incorporate this kind of new digital community that you've based into your ongoing operations? Yeah, we're going to scale it like crazy because Trillfit went global overnight, right? And so this is going to become companion programming to what we're doing uh, in studio. And we're talking about the reopening right now. And it's going to have to be a hybrid model, right? Because you're going to have a portion of people who have really missed it and can't wait to go. We also have all of the government regulations and safety precautions that we need to take. So obviously there'll be a limited amount of spots for folks. Catch Heather on Tuesday tomorrow um, and she'll be getting even... Uh, giving us even more details about how she has pivoted both of her businesses. Um, Up next, we have Damon Turner. Now, Damon is based in LA and he runs, he founded a collective called Trap Heels. Um, For those of you not familiar, Trap refers to trap music, trap houses in Atlanta. It's a very, um, trap is not something you associate with a good time uh, in terms of healing. Uh, it's a good time in terms of other shit that probably results in a bad time. Um, but basically he's been able to take the concept of trap, trap music, trap culture, and turn it into a healing space. So the collective is called Trap Heals. And what he's been able to accomplish is 
gathering uh, people, mainly black people, but like anyone, anyone who seeks healing and kind of uh, solidarity in their lives. And he's created these uh, magnetic events that allow people to experience what it would be like to kind of self-care. You know, and especially, you know, trying to attract people who think that like self-care and Reiki and yoga and alkaline water, like that's goop. That's white. That's Gwyneth shit. He's turning that whole thing around because like the people who need healing the most um, are us, you know, are is me. <laughs> and I think that like I, I just admire him very much. And so I, I wanted to hear what he's thinking about right now in terms of, you know, given that especially uh, due to coronavirus, it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer that like we are not set up to to be healed. In fact, like the people who are suffering the most under this virus are black people, people of color. Um, and so at the same time that we can't gather, the the need for gathering and healing is, is never been more acute. And so I wanted to hear um, kind of what he's thinking about in terms of what types of events he'll plan on for the future, but also like, how are we using this time? You know, perhaps like maybe we're healing now so that we can show up to events in a different way. And um, here's a snippet of what we talked about. So thinking about especially these practices that are a lot of touching and rubbing and like events that are close together. So how have you guys been handling and what is your vision for at least this, you know, a short term period where like that how you're doing it's not possible. But yet yeah. the need is even greater than before, maybe. Yeah. I, I won't even lie to you and try to make up some shit right now, man. We are literally, I mean, we're suffering as, as everyone else. You know what I'm saying? We're thinking about how, um, you know, there's a lot of chatter around what we can do. But I, you know, instead of trying to come up with a solution, I want to just keep asking more questions, mm -hmm. right? I want to continue to push people to dig a little deeper, you know, uh, to dig a little more radically into the abyss in hopes of creating something different that we've never seen. And I think people are, I think the fear is um, probing people to sort of think in a box. I think very finite, I think very immediate. Um, think about like what resource do we have available right now to make the change? And, you know, I'm often, curious more so around how we can merge the digital with the physical like what is the innovative thing that's going to happen like what is the shift that's that is upon us right and how are we how are we creating something that we've that we don't even have the language for yet so one of the things i think that's been interesting and um, especially given that what you're doing i mean is trying to heal people that the system is not i mean is designed not to serve right and i think that like this whole crisis has made it just so clear how we need to be taking advantage of other systems. So in terms of how you think about healing and what needs our community has, like, how, what has it been like to see the devastation that's been wrought? I'm not even gonna lie to you, man. I'm not, I'm not consuming the devastation. Mm. I've, known, you know, I've known about the devastation. Like we know inherently about the devastation. I don't need to continually see updated numbers every single day about the devastation. It, it would be impossible for me to actually do my job in any transformation in any paradigm shift that society has endured. There's a period of mourning. There is the period of death and devastation as something else is being reborn. And so I, I, 
I give my I give my empathy, my love, my 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 tears for the devastation and for the families who are dealing with this right now. It's a very deep thing. And I also yield myself to the creative energy that's going to birth the actual next world that we're living in. Last but not least is my girl, Whitney Richardson. Um, she is an extreme boss. Uh, she joined us fr uh, from London. She's the global events manager for the New York Times. Um, and so she is basically the one who's in charge of planning all of the uh, European events for the New York Times. And I was really interested to talk to her for a couple of reasons. One of which, I mean, she's just super smart and, and like very authentic. And I thought that she would have a pretty credible view of the event landscape, you know, not just for the times, but in general. But on top of that, it's like when you, when you are kind of stewarding such a trusted brand, um, and one that people kind of like rely upon, especially in times like this, when you need just the, the most up to date information, um, and also kind of like a sense of community that you're a part of. Uh, I think that I was curious to hear kind of how the New York Times has been adapting to this new um, new normal. And she had a lot of extremely interesting things to say about how they've been taking advantage of this, how they have been kind of using this as a kind of fertile testing ground and prototyping um, time period to kind of see how people respond, see how they can kind of co-create with their listeners and their readers. Um, and so here's a little bit about what we talked about. First of all, please explain to our, our viewers and listeners what your role is at, uh, at the Times and kind of like what you guys think of recently. Sure. So I am currently the global events manager um, for the New York Times. I focus on Europe and I essentially, my, my mission is to bring people together um, in both small and large settings around our journalism and thinking about how we can inform people in, in live spaces um, with some of the most pressing issues of our times. It's been really interesting because it's like, how do you balance people's emotional state right now, which is very fragile, with, again, the journalism and the news, and, and, and how, do you, how do you reckon both of those in a thoughtful way? has been our challenge, right? And so we're starting to see that, hey, wait a minute, this, this shutting down of things is allowing us to rethink how we want to reemerge. And so how do we build events around specific industries of interest, whether it's the fashion world that was going through their reckoning of inclusion and sustainable sustainability issues as well, whether it's climate, the issues of climate change, whether it's issues on gender, whether it's issues on, you know, there are all these areas that have these reckonings that we can now build events around and ask those big questions, which is how do you reset, how do you reimagine, and how do you reemerge bigger and better? Uh, what tools um, either do you think that you guys might have to develop or that you think are just going to have to become available for this to go to the next stage? I think any time you bring people closer to the experience, as close as you can bring them, the better. I think one of the things that I, the challenge that I am facing now is how do you actually build community, right? Mm -hmm. Building community around specific topics is something that becomes a little bit more challenging in a way because one for security issues um so I'm, I'm really thinking about like what are those technology platforms who has the best security for 
community building where people can actually engage and talk and not fear someone hijacking the screen. Um, so there you have it. These are three extremely compelling people. And I really hope that you guys uh, tune in to the entire conversations um, Tuesday through Thursday. That's Heather White, Damon Turner, and Whitney Richardson. They are, I mean, I'm so grateful for their time. Um, they don't have a lot of it. And the fact that they chose to spend it with me and, and I guess you all uh, is really wonderful. So I hope you guys tune in um, for week two of what we gonna do, focus on the art of gathering. Thank you very much. Have a great day.